Blog Talk Radio. Lynch. 
Yeah, Becky Lynch. When she threw Becky Lynch and uh, Charlotte off the, uh, to give Oscar the win, that was <clears throat> probably the best match, and it was the main event too. Well, Icon, did you hear the big announcement at the beginning of WWE tonight? No, I haven't uh, watched. I just got home because I worked till eight thirty. Oh yeah, well you know I was telling kind of big swing off the air. You know Vince McMahon was going to be here with a big shakeup. You know and. And you know how, and I know B-Train and I have talked about this on our podcast, and I think we've talked about it here, about WWE not giving the fans what they want to see. Well, that was part of the big announcement is they are going to start giving the fans what they want to see. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, it's like, is he listening to our podcast, you know? And Stephanie McMahon came out, Triple H came out, Shane O'Mac came out. All four of them were in the ring. And they were really? talking a little bit about different things. And, and Triple H says, you know, we are going to be in control of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Basically, the four of them are going to be in charge of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. And he pointed to, like, all the fans in the arena, you all are now the authority. You know, we're going to start giving the fans what they want to see. We're bringing in new people. And then, of course, boring Corbin had to come out and cry, cry me a river, Corbin, you know, because he was saying, oh, it wasn't fair last night. What happened to me, you know? And, I mean, Baron Corbin, and as far as I'm concerned, you talk about karma coming back and biting you in the rear end. Well, baby, he got everything he deserved tonight as far as I'm concerned because they put him in a match against Kurt Angle. And Triple H comes out and says, "Oh, oh, oh, Baron, Baron, I, I, I forgot to tell you, this is a, um, this is going to be a handicap match." And all of a sudden, here comes Bobby Roode and Chad Gable and Apollo Cruz and Heath Slater's the special guest referee. And then Shane O'Mac comes out and says, "Oh, oh, oh, I, I forgot to tell you, Baron, this is a no disqualifications match." So he's Slater, he's kicking on Baron Corbin in the ring, and he's not paying attention to what's going on, you know. And all of a sudden, Er Angle and uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable and Paula Cruz, they all got chairs. Basically, Baron Corbin lost the match. He is gone. He's no longer general manager, which makes me very happy. That's just part of the shakeup. <laughs> Hello? Yes, we're, no, we're here. Uh, oh, okay. Well, no, no, we are here. Icon uh, had dropped out. I was waiting for him to comment after he was telling him the story. And uh, I was waiting to see what he had His to say. His phone must be messed up or something. Yeah. No, Icon, are you here? I'm here. Okay, okay. did you hear Sorry any about of that? that. Uh, yeah, well, what, well, what happened, I, I didn't hear the whole story, but... Uh, uh, I do apologize. My uh, little uh, fur dog uh, jumped into my uh, lap and knocked the phone out of my hand and uh, hung up the phone. So, sorry oh about my. that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know, little Homer, you know. But anyway. Hey, yo, hello, Homer. He, he hears you. You know, and here's the interesting thing. Uh, if they're going to let the fans choose – what they're going to do, did they just say if they're going to let us tweet what matches we want to see, email, well, or go to a I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're going to go to that extreme, but they say they're going to start giving the fans what they want to see. That's all. I mean, that was part of the big announcement, you know, that 
you know, they're they're going to start giving more back to the fans of what the fans want to see. So maybe they're well, tired of the absenteeism, thinking. you know, managers and. Here, here's what I was thinking: if they do do that and allow fans to choose matches and stuff, here's what we'll do uh, as a group here. We will come up with a match that we want to see and send in a vote for it. And if it happens, we can uh, take credit for Raw having the best ratings for one match because we'll have picked it. Well, I you know they didn't go to that extreme that of saying you know, that they were going to let the fans pick the matches, but you know. Yeah, but I, Connie, if I we if we pick a match, if we pick a match which we think the fans would like to see, and then subsequently it happens. Isn't that more proof that of what we've been saying all along, that there's somebody out there within the uh, pro wrestling community listening to this podcast? Well, yeah, and that, that was really right right there. There. Yeah. So. That's what I told B-Train, I just, and I told my husband the same thing. I said, ooh, I said, I said, makes me wonder if somebody from the higher up, you know, is actually listening to our podcast. They're listening to what we're saying, you know, what we're wanting to see, you know, what we're wanting to have happen, you know. So he says, oh, it's just a coincidence. I said, well, it may be. It may be just a coincidence. Well, I, I, I think it's kind of. I want to bring Ed I think back, so let's I, see if that I think, I, I, I think it's kind of funny. I think it's kind of funny that when we've been talking about this for so long and then all of a sudden Vince says, we're going to start giving you, the fans, what you all want to see. And I'm like, wow, how ironic is that? <laughs> you know? So, and you know, another reason why they're doing this is because the brand split once uh, SmackDown moves to Fox will be done. Oh, they do. It's what they're saying, you know. But they're bringing in new people to WWE. They they showed who they were going to be bringing in. They're going to be bringing in EC3, Nikki Cross, Lars Sullivan, um... I don't remember the name of the tag team that they're bringing in, but they showed a bunch of people that they're going to be bringing into WWE that's going to be, become part of the roster. Nice. So, well, Icon, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, who we got coming on here tonight? Well, you know, I'll tell you, we got a great three-guest night. We got uh, Flovio uh, Ciceri. Uh, he is a uh, great Hollywood actor, uh, and uh, man, uh, this guy is is big time. I mean, he was in uh, the Age of uh, Adeline, uh, and yep. he play uh, he plays a cop on television uh, in this new series okay. that he's got coming out. So he's going to talk to us about that. We have uh, referee extraordinaire James Beard. Yay! And we have Eddie Osborne. Usually we have the big guest last, but since uh, uh, Fovio uh, has a busy filming schedule, we're going to have him on first, uh, and he'll be calling in uh, here shortly. So, yeah, okay. we've got a big show. And, of course, I want to make sure that everybody's aware that our next week's show is going to be on Wednesday instead of Monday or Tuesday because uh, it's Christmas and Christmas okay. Eve. So, and also... Uh, we will not be having a show the week after that. We're taking one week off. Awesome. So, 
because I'll be I'll be on my way to Texas. I'll be somewhere down in Texas if you're looking for me. <laughs> well, it gives us, it gives us a chance to spend time with our families for the holidays, you know. So right. You know, and I just want you to know that you guys are like a family to me. And uh, likewise, you know, I am glad that uh, we do this together. I'm glad that we can get together once a week to do this. And it's, it's, you know, it's like, I don't want to get too emotional here. Cause you know, I, I had, I, I was emotional all weekend with the fact that uh, my friend, Chris Kleiman is going to uh, Kansas state. And of course, uh, you know, uh, being, around, being a being a you know a Kansas fan, you know whether it be Kansas City Chiefs or Kansas City Royals or Kansas State or what have you, uh, a winning tradition is on their way to Kansas. So you can check all that out. Icon, did you get your package I sent you? Uh, I have not checked my mail yet either. I had to I had to get right in uh, right into the phone. Okay. So I'm okay. sure. I'm well, certain. you you should have it because I mailed it out last week, so you should be Anthrax. getting it. Well, no. of course, it's you know, not anthrax. Our, 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 our mail department here uh, in North Dakota uh, is semi reliable, so we'll see. I'll let I'll let you know. I'll text you. Okay. So. And of course, next week we'll have another three guest show, so that will be fun as well. Well, I couldn't send it first class because the envelope was more than thirteen ounces, so it, they I don't know if they shipped it. It it um I don't know how they were shipping it, but I mean you should be getting it because I mailed it out like last Monday or Tuesday, so you should be getting it. Okay. Well, I if, if it's not down there to tonight, I'm sure it'll be down there tomorrow. So. Uh, I I know it's uh, I know it's here. So, <clears throat> so anyway, so we're just waiting here I, for our. Uh, yeah, that's fine. And uh, when when they call in, I got to uh, step aside here, put the uh, the football game, and do some stuff. As soon as this game, I'm gonna actually honestly, I'm gonna be glad when football season's over because that way I'll, I'll I won't be jumping back and forth doing things. Um, well, but, both are contestants for the playoffs, so that's good. All three of our teams. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, speak of the devil icon, here we are. Uh, I'm going to uh, let you do your thing real quick. I'm going to step into the other studio, but I have the wireless headphones on, so I'll be listening. And uh, I'll I'll chime in when necessary. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. He is what you would call the big man in Hollywood. A great actor. He can beat anybody on the big screen. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Folio. Hey, man, how are you? Hey, this is Folio Sassare. You listen to Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Hulkster, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here with us. Is that not the best introduction you've ever had in any capacity? Uh, I'd have to say that's pretty close, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you <Awesome>. guys are good. <laughs> so what we do is after they get uh, after our guests get a, the big introduction, uh, what we do is we let them tell us a little bit about themselves, and we ask them the the tough questions. So if you want to give us a little uh, background about yourself, then we'll uh, interview you. Uh, yeah. Well, you want to talk about the acting. You want to talk about the documentary. What the 
What's your well, angle we're, tonight? Well, we're, well, we're gonna do, we're gonna do both, but we'll start we'll start with the acting first. Well, I, I've been at it. Uh, I'm 35 years into it. Stop counting at about 200 jobs. Um, it's still hard as can be, but uh, you know, I'd like to say that if I'm not curing cancer uh, or an astronaut, it doesn't get any better than this. And uh, it's true. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome job. I've done a lot of great stuff. I've worked with a lot of great people. Um, you know, like I said, I bet first job I, I think it was like 1983 or so. That's the first class I took. So I've been at this for a long time. I, my SAG card is 1988, I think. So <laughs> wow. Yeah. So but, but been at it for quite a while. What has been your biggest role to this point, would you say? Well, you know, that's really a tough question because I, I've done so much TV. I've I've been like a recurring character on something like 17 different shows. Um, not as much feature film, but, um, you know, one of the all-time favorites uh, that I did was Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe. Um, that's always been a highlight because I, I love period pieces. I, I've got a connection because I kind of grew up in Jersey. Um, Ron Howard is so great as a director. Uh, the part itself was great because it's me, Russell Crowe, and Craig Bierko, the last basically half hour of the movie. So that was pretty cool. But I've done so much TV, and there's so many uh, great um, characters that I've enjoyed uh you know, playing on TV, but, but even more than that, it's not so much like the character itself. Sometimes just, just working on a set, like little, I think I've told this story a million times. Like there were a couple jobs I've done where my, my, my only purpose, like I was a sniper in like a helicopter or, uh, you know, I'm chasing Van Damme in, in a helicopter. It's like, I'm flying in a helicopter and they're paying me for this. This is like so freaking awesome. So it's not so much sometimes just the the character, um, but it's just the whole experience of being on the film set and you know the crew, the directors, the city you're working in, people you're working in, uh, working with. Um, but um, yeah, a lot, lot of TV shows. Uh, th- this year was pretty good. Um, pretty good year. I, I worked on uh, Supernatural. That show's been going on forever. Those guys are a fun bunch of guys. Worked on a new show that's about to come out on A&E called Project Blue Book. Did a Hallmark thing called The Chronicles Mystery. Uh, did a Christmas movie called uh, Christmas Cupcakes where I played this Italian baker and my um, my nieces have to um, enter a cupcake competition to save the bakery. It's really cute. So all kinds of stuff going on. It's uh, I'm really happy and proud to be an actor, and you know when it works, it um, it really is pretty great. Now in the in the the cupcake movie, uh, in, uh, it you actually made me hungry for cupcakes actually right now. But uh, <laughs> now when when you when you did that role, and then I want to I want to ask you about my favorite movie that you were in. Uh, are you are you an actual cook yourself, or is that something that you that you were just able to play? Well, you know that's funny you say that because um, I actually love to cook. Um, I'm actually back in New Jersey now because I'm kind of taking care of my 
89, soon to be 90-year-old mom, and she was an absolutely incredible uh, cook. And so I kind of just grew up watching her cook, and I've worked in a million restaurants, as all actors do, bartending, and I was a maitre d' in New York. But I also, um, I used to buy every food and wine magazine you can imagine, and yes, I love to cook. So it was kind of fun. I I wasn't called upon to really make any cupcakes, but uh, I think I sold it pretty well. (laughs) Now, uh, I'm kind of curious, because one of my favorite movies that you were in, and I love Cinderella Man, by the way, because I I love sports movies, but my favorite movie that you were in was Chaos. And I got to ask you, what is it <laughs> like being on the? What is it like being on the on the set with Jason Stratham? Because you know uh, he always plays a jerk. Really, uh, what is he like on the set? What is he like in real life compared to what he plays? Uh, you know, it's really funny you say that because um, I only had one little scene in that, and I and I get killed. Um, but it's at a shootout uh, where where going after uh, Wesley Snipes and which is so funny because I think I've worked on four Wesley Snipes movies and I've never met him. That's pretty crazy business, right? So I actually did get to meet Jason, but it was, it was so quick and he looked at me and I, I don't know if he thought he was like looking at himself. Cause you know, we kind of look a little similar, I guess, but not really. Uh, but he was just like, give me that look like, Hey, I kind of, you look familiar kind of thing. Um, but I was only there. For, I, I was only there for a day. But um, yeah, that, that that was fun. You know, I, I love those parts where I get shot up and I've done a lot of the squib scenes, and those are always fun as an actor. You know, in another uh, in another uh, cool movie that you were in, that I, you know, uh, I, I I I you probably I'm sure you're going to get sick of me hearing you say this, but I have seen a lot of movies that you've been in, and another one of my favorites. Uh, was uh, breaking the service when you, the Greg Lugana story? Yeah, that was, that was an awesome one. Because uh, I'm a fan of yours and I'm a fan of Mario Lopez as well, and I also was a fan of Greg Luganis. Now, uh, how long were you on the set for that movie, and did you happen to meet Greg Luganis? And I'm sure you, I'm sure you met Mario Lopez. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's 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 so funny because I I played the coach to the younger Mario Lopez. Right, so I didn't actually get to meet uh, Mario, but here's the funny thing: um, I actually went to the University of Miami for a year when Greg Louganis was there, and um, and then years later, here I am playing in a, a movie. I mean, this is I mean, he was a big swimming guy back in so this would have been. 1979, 1980. So he was uh, swimming in Miami, and then this is way before the Olympics, of course. And um, so, yeah, it's, that's pretty funny, co- coincidental that I would wind up being in a movie based on him. Uh, but that was that was a really good movie, and uh, a fun little part to play. I was his first. Coach. And right, and you know, um, a lot of your movies uh, have have been basically like shoot 'em up movies and uh have been kind of like how you want to say uh semi horror filmish kind of is that is that a fair uh a fair comparison or not really uh i would say more sci-fi stuff i mean a lot of sci-fi 
a lot of um, law enforcement, military types, um, but a lot of bad guys too. A lot of guys on the border where um, the good cop, bad cop kind of thing. But lately it seems um, it's been more of uh, – you know, grieving dads and husbands and stuff like that. I guess I'm getting older and, you know, people want to see me cry or something. I don't know. But uh, I, I love the sci-fi. I love the horror world. Um, I was in Valentine. I don't know if you remember that one. That was kind of a slasher film, David Boreanaz's first, first definitely movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say too much horror. I would say so much uh, sci-fi. Um, I mean, from... Everything back in like the early '90s and stuff on on down from you know Highlander and X Files and Millennium and Outer Limits and you know you you name it. Uh, I've got Stargate and Battlestar, which is not. I mean, it's all sci-fi. It's uh, I, I love it. I love the genre. I'm lucky to you know to to work in it. Um, it pretty much everything on CW. Uh, the Hundred and Flash, um, Supergirl, all that stuff, fantasy, sci-fi, superhero. Um, I've done it. Very, very uh, lucky. Julio Cersei is our guest. We have about uh, 20 minutes here left with you. And since you already did the uh, promo, uh, we'll, um, we, we, uh, we don't have to take time out to do that because you've already <laughs> done it, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, but there is one other role I want to ask you about, and then we're going to talk about your documentary because uh, I, I I know we want to talk about that. But uh, my father um, is also a fan of one of the shows that you were in, one of the series that you were in, uh, Jesse the Jesse Stone stuff. Right. Oh, loved it. Yeah. Uh huh. I would be I would be amiss if I didn't ask that because I know my dad. I'm going to have my dad listen to this. What was it like being on the set? with Magnum PI. Wow. Uh you know what? I I just can't I just can't uh speak highly enough of that man. He was a really really great guy. Um you know, he's one of the producers on the show. He's, you know, it's his show basically. And I don't think I've ever felt more like welcome on a set. I remember I I think it was we shot that in uh, Halifax in Canada, Nova Scotia. And uh, I remember driving to set to go to wardrobe, and um, I saw him in between, you know, scenes. And so I went up to say hi. He literally jumped out of his chair to say hi to me. He was so uh, complimentary and thanked me so for, uh, so much for being on the show. And I'm like. Wow, it's like I, I've never felt that way. I mean, he was such a class act. He was such a great guy to work with, and um, and here's another fun aside. I've now auditioned for Blue Bloods. I don't know how many times, and I actually have an audition for Blue Bloods tomorrow. So now, it, it, here's the thing that is uh, I, that is my parents' favorite show, actually. And, that's funny. Uh, when you're if you when you get that role when you're on that I want you to send me a role, uh, thing on Messenger, and I will uh, I, I will go to my parents' house. Of course, I'll eat all the food out of the refrigerator when the show is on. Mm-hmm. But I will watch that with them. It, when you get on that show, you let me know. I'm working on it. It's not for lack of trying. It's uh, this is New York City. It's the you know the Big Apple. It's tough. A lot of people competing for the same stuff and. 
there's so many great actors in New York. So just the fact that I'm going in, uh, you know, is a compliment. So I'm going to do my best tomorrow. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, another cop, something I'm very comfortable with, and I'm going to kick some ass tomorrow. Right. And, you know, the thing is, uh, for those of uh, those of you who don't know, uh, who's never seen him, uh, he is what you would call just a big dude. I mean, he is built like, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, he was, uh, he was in the Fantastic Four movies. He was the commish. He looks just, you look just like him or he looks oh, um, just like you. Uh, uh, what's his first name? Chickless was his last name. I yeah, think. Michael Chickless. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. I, well, I, I did two episodes of the commish, so I've worked with Michael. That's another one of my parents' favorite shows. <laughs> yeah, that, and uh, it's funny. I, I that, that was way kind of like early in my career. That was like early '90s, I think, and that was a really, really good scene. I remember it was um, I was in jail um, unjustly, and they they came to see me get some information. And I thought I was gonna get out of jail, and it seemed like the the longest scene. It was really, really good, very intense scene, and um, yeah. Good old commish. You're bringing up yeah. some, some great memories. Well, you know, uh, we'll talk about the documentary because, you know, we're, we're we're here to talk about that. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious. When you're doing a role like that and you're actually behind bars, I mean, you know, it's you're actually behind bars. There's no – I mean, I don't know if they actually lock it or whatever. You can get out whatever you want. But when you're doing a scene like that and it's so intense, do you ever get – feel like you're claustrophobic or you want to get the heck out of the cell or anything like that when you're doing a scene like that? Well, I mean, there's a, a certain sense of, of um, you know, reality to it, yes. But, of course, you, you know you're on a film set. But uh, my job is to make it as real as possible. And, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm behind the glass and these guys are, you know, I, I co- had cooperated and I thought, uh, you know, I was getting out. I'd been there for so long and... <clears throat> And then they're telling me it's not going to happen. And so, you know, when that hits, I mean, how would you feel? Even if you're not an actor, I mean, how would you feel? How powerful, how hurt, how betrayed you'd feel, right? So it's um, – and then when you had the reality of, you know, the fake reality of a, of a film set, it just – it's it's all part of the the package, right? You, 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 need, you need that. Right. So – now you got you got this big documentary uh coming up and we want to talk to you about that. Uh so tell us a little background about the uh documentary, um how you got involved, uh who you're involved in it with, when it's due to come out, um can we will we be able to get it on D V D, which if you want to send us a couple autograph <coughs> copies for giveaway, stuff like that. Well, uh so it's called three hundred <clears throat> sorry, three hundred and fifty days and it's uh, basically in a nutshell, uh, life on the road during the territory days, uh, pro wrestling. And um, we had a one-night special event uh, through Fathom Events. Uh, on July 12th, we had our premiere. And um, we don't have an announcement yet, but uh, things are looking very good. I think things um, we're going to have a pretty big announcement coming up in the next couple months. So I feel pretty confident that, uh, yes, you'll be seeing it, and you'll be getting a, a signed DVD. Uh, just don't have details yet. Um, 
but it was uh, <clears throat> extremely well received. Um, the press coverage was awesome. I had my premiere at the Chinese Theater in L.A. Uh, my partner had a premiere at um, Union Square in New York City. Uh, Bob Backlund, Greg Valentine was there. I I had I can't tell you how many uh, wrestlers and UFC people at uh, at my event and uh, some of the original Glow Girls and it was just so well attended. And um, yeah, it's uh, I I did. It took us five years to make this movie. Interviewed I think seventy two people. Uh, thirty eight made the cut. Some of the all time greats from seventies and eighties. Pretty much ends about late 80s, but like when Bret Hart was uh, was the champ is kind of like we go up to there. So not really the Attitude Era, so kind of just before that. But um, yeah, all the big names, you know, Abdul the Butcher, George Animal Steel, the Greg Valentine, Don Leo, Jonathan. I mean, well, we had so many people in this uh, in this show. And Did you get to talk to the Hulk? <clears throat> We didn't get a chance to talk to the Hulk because we, there were some that we weren't able to talk to because they have contracts to Vince McMahon and they, they just weren't allowed to do that. Some of the other ones are under something called the Legends contract, so they can talk about some things but not all things. Um, but um, everybody that we spoke to, the honesty, the bearing the soul, the nothing off the table is just so tremendous. I mean, everything you can imagine that would have happened, life on the road, so from drugs and alcohol and adultery and steroid use and, you know, the rise to fame, the the crashing, the, you know, coming up again, the no regrets, absolutely everything you can imagine is in there. And we have archival footage stuff. You know, like, for example, Vince McMahon pretty much owns everything, like, footage-wise. And we were able to get some unbelievable stuff from museums and uh, never-before-seen photos, stuff from fans. So <clears throat> I'm so proud of this of this movie. If you're a wrestling fan, I guarantee you'll love it. Uh, my goal is to make sure that people that don't know anything about wrestling see this movie <clears throat> because it's such a, a human interest story. I mean, it could be about plumbers, right? And you know what their life was like. And but it's it's just so human. Like we all experience these things. It's just that these guys were these you know superhero guys we'd see on Saturday mornings or whatever. You know, uh, they lived a really really difficult life. And even the people that were really successful, it was tough for them because they had to drive and you know. It, it was a difficult life. I think people are going to be really surprised at what these guys went through. Now, uh, do you think uh, you uh, might be able to hook us up there with uh, the Michael? With Michael? Yeah. But Michael who? Well, didn't you uh, mention the director of it? I'm the director. Uh, no, I'm. I'm uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I screwed. I'm. I'm sorry. I messed that up. Uh, I'm, uh, that's not what I meant. Uh, you know, some of your uh, with uh, with the wrestlers that uh, you've met, uh, I'm guessing you didn't you didn't get to uh, you didn't get to uh, have Vince McMahon do anything in this, correct? No, we we didn't appro- approach Vince. <clears throat> I'm not sure that he would have really 
understood what we were doing, he would have probably thought that we were trying to expose the dark side of it, and that's absolutely not what we were doing. Uh, there's no bias here. There's no WWE bashing at all. I'm just telling their stories. What was it like, you know, life on the road when you were a wrestler? And that's it. And, you know, they were so open and honest and everything came out without any provocation. We weren't goading them on or looking for dirt. They just, what was it like? Well, you know, we'd have to get up in the morning and we'd go to the gym. I I would need my speed to get me going. Then we would drive 200 miles and then we'd wrestle for, you know, $30. And then, you know, we'd go out, we'd party. Uh, you know, so you know, the next day we repeat, and and they they went into such detail, and it was just so fascinating. These guys are such <clears throat> fascinating guys. See, no, Granny uh, would enjoy Granny would enjoy something like that. Being the huge wrestling fan that I am, you, you, I I can get. Look, it, it's not a stretch for me to say that if you are a wrestling fan, you are going to love this movie. I think you may find it to be one of the best wrestling documentaries ever because it's it so it's a, a labor of love. You, you, you'll feel it. You'll see it. Um, it's beautifully shot. We have so much footage, all famous people from back then and, and people that – you, you wouldn't even remember anymore. Like back in the 70s, there was one guy, the, the Wolfman, who was popular. And I, I found him in Toronto, living in some small apartment, you know, forgotten. And he was so happy that somebody remembered him. And, you know, I'm telling his story. It's, it's, it's so – Don Leo Jonathan, who just passed away. You go to the Hall of Fame, or especially when it was uh, back in Amsterdam, New York, he is all <clears throat> over that. <clears throat> He, he was such a, a famous wrestler back in the day, especially like in the 70s. And to see these guys, to hear their stories, what, what life was like back then, um, yeah, I think any wrestling fan is going to love this. And I'm just hoping housewives and, you know, farmers in China or some people that just don't know anything about pro wrestling, I, I want them to see this movie because I think it'll it'll touch some hearts. I, I know that at my premiere, I had some, you know, big wrestlers there, and they were crying, and, you know, thank you for telling our story. And so I know that um, I've, I've done something that in the wrestling world, that, you know, they'll they'll really appreciate. And how long is, how long is the documentary? I think it clocks in at an hour and 49 minutes. Now, do you uh, plan on like putting out like a director's cut with like, like extended footage or <clears throat> anything like that? That is so funny you say that. I've I actually have been working on that. I've only I have a little bit left to look through footage wise, but um, that that's all depending on the fans and the, the reaction to it. If um, if there's a demand for it, because <clears throat> like I said, but I we interviewed seventy two people. 38 of them made the cut. So, yeah, I can make like a whole nother documentary on it. And um, the, the stuff that I left on the editing room floor, I mean, does deserve to be seen. It's just, you know, you can't have a five-hour documentary. So, uh, but if right. the fans want it, I, I definitely, I have it. And 
uh, I don't know if you want if you'd want to state this or not, but I'll ask it. Uh, what? Who was your favorite interviewee? Uh, wow, so tough for uh, on so many levels. Um, the one that really sticks out the most is probably Bret Hart, because I, I had everything I needed within the first twenty minutes. I mean, we had very specific set of questions that had to deal with, you know, territory days. And he was uh, very gracious, answered everything. And I'm like, you know, after 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I got, I got everything I need, but I have so many questions. I just read your book. It's 450 pages long. I, He's like, all right, well, ask. And I literally I interviewed him for, I think it was eight, nine hours. Uh, I, I wow. could do a whole documentary on Brett. Uh, he was such a, a great, great guy. But but everybody, every single person that, that we we met, I mean, they, they were so interesting. You know, Abdullah the Butcher, we interviewed him in Atlanta at his chicken and rib restaurant, Ch- Chinese and chicken and rib restaurant. Uh, Bill Eady, we interviewed him in, in Atlanta. Uh, we were in, in uh, Florida interviewing uh, Wendy Richter. All great, great uh, interviews. I was in Toronto. I was in Vancouver. I was in L.A. I was in Vegas. Um, we went all over the place. Uh, Lanny Poffo, he read a poem to his to his brother where they where he crashed down in Florida. Um, the memories I have from this movie are just tremendous. I'm really lucky to have um, met these people and tried to tell their stories. You know, Angelo Savoldi, we we interviewed him in in New Jersey. He was the oldest living wrestler at the time, 99 years old. Um, Jimmy Snuka, Superfly, we interviewed him. So Ted DiBiase, Paul Orndorff, there's just so many people. Ox Baker is maybe my second favorite. He was the comic relief in in our documentary. He was so Mm -hmm. much fun. He actually does a cooking Mm -hmm. segment for us. You know, I'll tell you what, and I I, I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to get a copy of this documentary. But uh, we got we got about uh, three minutes here left. We're going to wrap this up. So, if our fans wanted to check you out and find you and uh, check out and buy this uh, DVD and documentary, uh, you got a Facebook, you got a Twitter, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube. But what do you got out there? Uh, well, the, the only thing you mentioned that I don't really have is the YouTube, everything else. Uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. Um, uh, the documentary's not out yet, uh, n- no announcement yet, but it's looking really, really good. We're uh, waiting to get specifics. Um, so once that happens, it'll go out on all social media. Um, but, yeah, you can... Uh, if you know how to spell my name, you can you can find me on any one of those platforms. And what is the spelling? It's F U L V I O Fulvio, and the last name is Cesare C E C E R E. Um, Instagram I'm at the Foo Man. Um, Twitter or no Twitter I'm at the Foo Man. I say, I, you know what? I don't even know. I've got, there's so many out there, but you can find me. You, you can definitely find me because I do have quite a quite a, a presence, and um, I do get back to people. Uh, probably Facebook is the easiest, best. Um, we do have uh, 350 days the movie website. There's trailers all over the internet. 
there are uh, newspaper articles from the premiere that we had, so fans can go get a taste of what it's going to look like and what's what you're going to see when it does come out. Um, I think there's actually there's a... I'm not sure if the longer trailer is out there, but there's, I think, four different cuts of the trailer. So definitely you can you can get an idea of what it's going to look like. And uh, when you're when you're about to uh, release it, we we would uh, if we didn't scare you away, if we didn't upset you too much, we'd like to have you back on again uh, so we can uh, talk about it just before the release because we do have more questions to ask you about it. And uh, you know, I sent you an address. If you can send us a few autographs for giveaways, we'd appreciate it. And you've been awesome. And uh, I also appreciate you're one of the few guests that does not have a restraining order against me because you never gave me your phone <laughs> number. So that's a good thing. <laughs> that's funny. Hey, and uh, what, what, where are you guys? Uh, you're in uh, North Dakota? I am, and Granny's in uh, uh, Arkansas. Granny, you're in Arkansas. And, I'm in, uh, I, I'm in Springdale, Arkansas. And That's big, great. And big Swing is in, big swing is in uh, New York. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, because it's funny. I, I actually, so this is almost four months ago. I drove cross-country. I was in um Vancouver, BC, and I drove all the way to New Jersey, and oh. I drove I drove through Fargo. So yeah, that's my hometown. Not, yeah, I was there not too long ago. I did you all the. the said, Hi, I would have bought you. I would have bought you lunch. Had, had I known four months ago, that would have been great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're ever back in my neck of the woods, uh, give me a shout out. I'll take you to a Red Hawks baseball game. Oh, awesome. Oh, you know what? We we have a really great one in um in uh, Vancouver. It's a it's a single A now, but I think it's the farm team. Used to be for the the Oakland A's, I think. I don't know if it's still them, but it's straight out of Bull Durham. I mean, it's such a great place to go watch baseball. It's the Vancouver Canadians and it's such a small stadium. It's a beautiful location and summertime in Vancouver, it's a great place to go watch some baseball, have a beer and a hot dog and and life is good. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. We thank you for taking time on your schedule with us, and uh, we will, I will be in touch, and you are awesome, and we will uh, have you on again. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks All a right. lot. Bye-bye. Yeah, have a good one. All right. All right, Big Swing, I think our next guest may be uh, ready to go. Is it a 903 number? It is. It is. All righty. I'm just uh, – I didn't get a chance to ask him anything there because we had a shorter time than I thought we were going to have, but that's all right. Um, I will uh, put you on with him, and, uh, again, I'll be listening, but I'm doing football at the same time. But here we go. They're being patched through right now. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, this is a man that will count one, two, three, or he will even count to ten if you're outside of the ring. He is the greatest referee in the history of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Beard Man himself. He is James Beard. Woo-hoo! <laughs> wow. What an, what an intro. Thank you. My, fav- my favorite referee icon. Now you don't know that you don't know you don't know this icon, but James Beard and I go way back with each other. I know, I know. We'll get to that in a second. Hold on a second. I know. I'm just saying. I I know. I got to ask James first, 
because uh, this is a question. Is that not the best? Is that not the best introduction you've ever had? That is that is about as good as it gets, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate that. Awesome. So what we like to do, and uh, of course, Granny tried to steal my thunder, but we'll let her on in a second. Once we once I introduce the guests, we let them give us a little background about themselves. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, then we'll uh, ask you the tough questions. <laughs> well. Uh, I don't I don't know where to start. I mean I've been I've been around a long time. I started in in uh, Dallas with World Class and the Global Wrestling Federation and USWA and WWF over in Japan, uh, uh, SWS in Japan, New Big Japan, uh, NWA of course. Uh, you name it. I've been around for a long time. Um, uh, so, so, um, referee, but you know how, I've, how I've many years? How many years have you been in the business? I started in 85. Okay. And uh, yeah. what would you say, what would you say is uh, the the coolest match uh, gimmick-wise that you have a refereed in, or do you not do gimmick matches? Gimmick-wise? Wow. Hmm. That's, kind of, that's, <laughs> that's a loaded that's question, that's Icon. I told you <laughs> That's a heck of a way to start out, so gimmick gimmick wise. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I guess the coolest one, if you want to call it a gimmick match, would be a, a false count everywhere type thing. You know that uh, I, I, I remember one that that, that uh, I chased. Uh, it was actually John Layfield who did call himself John Hawk back in those days, and uh, Black Bart against the Young Blood Brothers, uh, Mark and Chris. Uh, the, the stipulation was false count anywhere in the sportatorium, and I chased them for about 30 minutes up and down the aisles and in the seats and up on a big uh, platform that that, uh, uh, that used to be what we used for a hard camera. And the, the Bart was up there with Chris. He was screaming at me to crawl up there with him, and I told him I wanted about to crawl up there with a big fat ass. You know, it, 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 it's uh, it was a, it was a that was an interesting relation uh, type match, I guess. That, that's one that comes to mind. And uh, pretty bloody. Well, yeah, and uh, the when you when you're a referee, you know you uh, you sometimes take bumps, uh, sometimes and sometimes you don't. But what? Would you say was your biggest bump that you ever had to take, and who gave it to you? Uh, oh goodness, you know I, that that was one of those things when, when I was pretty athletic anyway, and and uh, when, when they found out that I could bump pretty well, then you know everybody wanted you to do it, and I, I had to kind of curtail that after a while. But uh, uh, you know, one that I remember is, is uh, with the Freebirds. Um, uh, we had a deal set up where. Uh, and I don't even remember who they were against right now, but I remember it was Terry Gordy in the ring with me, and and the, the deal was he went into the corner, and and and, the, and I came in behind him, and and whoever it was that he was charging into the corner kicked him back out into me, and I I was about halfway in the ring, and I took a bump and flew all the way out out of the out of the ring right at at uh, uh, Michael Hayes's feet, and. Um, after the he he after the match was over, he he thought I had really hurt myself, you know. So I had him I had him pretty fool. So it was a it was a pretty big bump, and um, I, you know for some reason I remember that one, you know, that being a, a you know one of the bigger ones that I took. But I I took a lot of them over the years, you know. I, I don't do it as much nowadays, but 
there was a time when I, you know, I had to take take quite a few bumps because they they, I guess when you're athletic, they feel like you know they take advantage of you that way. But you know, it it uh, it's probably overdone at some point. But anyway, now um, with uh, you know with taking the bumps, uh, you know. We we all know that uh, referees are not wrestlers, but I I've seen you I've seen your build and you you could you're one of those referees that could actually go bear hunting with a switch. But have you ever been severely? Have you ever got any sustained any major injuries or anything uh, with bumps yeah. you've taken? Yeah. I, I, I what was a, your worst I one? Bump, I took a bump one time. I was in Japan. Uh, uh, I took a bump over the over the top rope. And it's something I'd done several times before, and and I, I caught my I, when I came back over the rope, I caught my my hand on the apron, and and it slipped, and I, I kind of flipped around and hit my back, and I I really didn't I mean I knew it hurt, I didn't really know what it had done, but I found out a little later I'd broken my tailbone two or three places, and uh, and there was there was another time when I got press slammed by the barbarian. And um, uh, I, I, it was my fault. I, I didn't take it the way I should have taken it, and I ended up cracking a, a, a bone in my neck. Um, and, you know, there's been, been minor things, but those are probably the two worst. Now, uh, Granny, I know that, uh, you know, you and uh, Mr. Beard here have a history. So uh, I'd, like, uh, I'd like you to uh, tell, tell us – how uh, you guys know each other, and uh, how many times, uh, James, have you had to throw Granny Hulkster out of the arena because she was booing at you? <laughs> Never. He's my favorite referee. Let me tell you something. I, kinda, and I didn't mean to steal your thunder earlier, but when I found out James was going to be on our show, I was absolutely so happy. Just so you know, I met the man back in 2011 when traditional championship was Wrestling was running here in, like, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Russellville. Right. I started going to TCW when they were in Fort Smith, um, Clarksville. You know, I never made it to the Meridian, Mississippi shows, unfortunately. I got to go to Nashville in 2013, right before they quit running. But most of the time, it was Fort Smith, Clarksville, you know. Um, and And at first, when I first met, James, um, you know, I just had my original granny shirt. What you going to do when granny Hulkster goes crazy on you? And then my friend that made my original mm-hmm. granny shirt made me one that said queen of TCW. And that's when I started wearing it to the TCW one. I have, I mean, they still show the old reruns down in Little Rock area of TCW on TV. And I've still, to this day, I still have people come up and say, hey, aren't you granny? But yes, that's where James and I <laughs> first met was through traditional championship wrestling with the great people like Tim Storm, Matt Riviera, Genetic Perfection. I mean, I've gotten to know beautiful Bobby Eaton, Brian Thompson, Matt Rhodes. I mean, you know, that's where I've met a lot of big time name stars. Tommy Dreamer, Hacksaw Dream Duggan wrestled for TCW a lot, you know, but yes. And we, I, my family and I, we love James Beard. He is just, the most one of the most awesomest referees that I've ever had the privilege of knowing, and I'm proud to call him my friend and consider this man family. So yeah, that's yeah. how we that's how we met. And James has never had to throw me out of the building because I never boo James Beard. 
I may boo the wrestlers that he. I may boo the wrestlers that he's refereeing the match, but I've never booed James Beard, so he's never had to throw Granny out of a building for that. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she's an James, abso- absolutely a lady. There's no question about that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, J- James Beard is our guest, uh, referee extraordinaire. Uh, we're we're going to take care of this real quick, uh, and then we'll uh, then I'm going to ask you the real tough questions. Uh, All right. I had sent, I had sent you a script to do a little promo liner. We're going to go ahead and take care of that now. Uh, I'll count okay. you down from five, and then and then we'll ask you the uh, we'll then we'll continue the interview. All righty. You ready for it? Are you ready? Yep. Five. Yep. Four. Three. Two. One. Hey, this is James Beard. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Huxley. Awesome. You you know, you mentioned that you said you, you started in, uh, it was 95, right? 85. 85. Do you, yeah. Do you remember 30, 30, your first match 30, 30 and who who was between? I'm sorry, I didn't. I, uh, do you remember uh, who your first match was with, and who uh, who the combatants were? Oh, you know what? I don't. I don't remember the absolute first match. I do remember the first night. Uh, the, the the one of the guys that kind of got me into this business was Bruiser Brody, mm-hmm. and uh, the the very first night I actually got involved in this stuff, uh, he threw me in there with him and Ab- Abby. And um, that was quite an awakening for a guy that's never been involved in, in actually in the wrestling before. But um, he, he uh, you know, he got, he kind of pushed me into it, and then he then he threw me in that match, and I chased them around for a little while, and got introduced to wrestling in kind of in a brutal way. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Bruiser Brody because uh, we're we're going to be having his, uh, his uh, wife on with us. Uh, she was supposed to be on last week, but uh, her schedule didn't permit it. But she's going to be on with us a couple weeks. What, uh, Martha, what is Martha, like? she's, a, she's a sweet lady and a good friend. I, I, I really think a lot of that lady. What was it like being manhandled by Bruiser Brody? I'm just kind of curious. Um, <laughs> I, I just stayed out of his way for the most part. Uh, it, you know, he's 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 a, a totally different guy in person than he was in the ring, and and. You know, if you if he liked you, then then uh, it, it was a good thing. So, you know, I, I don't I don't guess I was ever really manhandled by him, other than other than he hit me in the head with a, a, a rail one time, but that's about it. Now, how often uh, when you're when you're refereeing, how often uh, do you do do you do, sorry, how often uh, do you do shows now? Uh, is it once a week? Twice a week, once a month, bi-weekly, uh, quarterly. I, I, yeah, I, I've kind of I, the last uh, last few months I've been slowing down a little bit. I I was working, um, you know, pretty much every going somewhere every week for for the most part for the last few years, and and uh, the last few months I've, I've started kind of slowing down a little bit, and I'm planning on this next year being even slower than that. So, you know, I may go out once or twice a month next year, and and that'll that'll be about it. Um, I, I just, uh, uh, you know, the part of the part of the problem is, is, is as far as just the referee part goes, uh, there's so many guys out there that'll that'll work for nearly nothing, you know, and I, I'm beyond that at this point in time. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't 
I don't think I need any more experience or training. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more particular about where I work and who I work for, and 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 I, I you know, have to get a certain amount to to go out. And I'm hoping this next year I start. Uh, I, I want to try to concentrate on doing a few more clinics and and uh, uh, seminars and that sort of thing. In fact, Tim Storm and I have talked about doing some of those together, and and. Uh, I'm hoping to kind of kind of ease into that side of it a little bit more this next year. Now, when you when you uh, first started um, uh, in the business to be a referee, how much training did you have to go through uh, to become a referee, or did they just say go out there when they're down, count one, two, three? Did you have, did you have to learn how to like sell this and all that? And, yeah, uh, yeah, that. that was pretty much it. I had I had absolutely no formal training at all. Just to pretty much told me what to do and what not to do, and you know, try to use your own instincts and that sort of thing. I I, I got into the business. I was in the in the music business, and and I got to know some of the guys that that were working in the Dallas area and that sort of thing. And they're the ones that kind of goaded me into into doing this because they were sit around and talk, and they they. Uh, figured out that I was, you know, I'd been a fan all, pretty much all my life. And then um, they figured out that I I kind of had a clue about how things were and, and, and what went on. And and um, I, for whatever reason, they felt like I'd be good at it. And, and um, you know, and, and they, they just kind of threw me to the wolves out there and said, here, go do it. And, and, and you know, I, I really kind of had a natural feel for it. I didn't have a problem with it at all from the very beginning. Um, of course, you know, I, I still learn things, and I, you know, I think when you stop learning, you 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 might as well just go ahead and throw dirt in your face. But uh, uh, I, you know, I really had a pretty good grasp of it from the beginning, and 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 I kind of kept my mouth shut and listened and learned that way, and and observed, and and you know, it just it just became it it really was easy for me, for, you know, for some reason, and I don't know why. I did just one of those things. Now, do you ever feel that uh, when you're in the ring, uh, that you know, because sometimes you know the fans out there like to uh, you know get on the referees and the officials whatnot. Now, yeah, and you know, there's a cat, there's a certain category for officials, but would you say that you know you're more of a uh, babyface referee? Uh, heel referee or an in-betweeny or uh, do you kind of like wait to see how the fans perceive you when you get into the ring? No, I, I always did the same way all the time. Uh, I, I was I was known as and still known as a guy who, who tried to enforce the rules. And if you do it the right way, you can you can allow the right things to happen at the right time without making yourself look stupid. And I think that's that's a, a trick that that a lot of referees, uh, some of them never learn it, but uh, a lot of young referees don't understand that, that 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 you're not supposed to go out there and just miss stuff. You 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 have to you have to look like you're doing your job, and, and so you know, so my you know my style was always to be the guy that that looked like he was trying to enforce the rules. And and in doing that, it, it kind of got me over a little bit. There were there were there was a time in Dallas when I'd probably get as big a pop as some of the baby faces going to the ring. So uh, it, it was you know they appreciated that fact. And and you know I mean they, they'd get on you once in a while if you miss something that that uh, they thought you should see or something. But 
for the most part, uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't call myself a babyface. Now, some of the some of the wrestlers might might have looked at it that way. I made I made the heels work to get their heat. Uh, they didn't just they just didn't just do something over the top on me. Uh, you know, they had to, they had to work for it, and and I think that made everything better and, and more realistic. And and I think the fans appreciate that. And and that, no. that kind of kept me from kept kind of kept me in the. I guess in their good graces for the most part. Uh, James Beard is our guest. We got about uh, twenty five or so minutes here left with you. When you, you know, basically, when you're the referee, you're basically the the general in there. Now, is it true as an official? And you know, we all know that kayfabe is dead, so it doesn't matter what you reveal or if you don't want to. I'll understand. But uh, as a referee, you're basically the the ring general in there. Is it true? that you sometimes get signals from the announcers or the promo promoters, whatever, say you have this much long, you got to get this match over this amount of time. Uh, you tell them before the thing, we need an extra five minutes, jump this guy. D- does it really work like that? Or is that not ever the case? Well, that's part of the, that's part of the job. You have, you have to, you have to uh, control that part of it as a referee. And, and it's done in different ways, you know. In, in, in some places, they have somebody relaying those things to you. In some places, you just have to know. And um, you know, it's a, it's no. I don't think it's a big secret or anything. That that that's the way it is. Um, uh, you know, as far as kayfabe goes, you know, the, the the honest honest to goodness truth is the fans have been smart forever. It's just how it, it, it's it's how you take yourself. You know, if you take yourself seriously, they'll take you seriously. And I think that's been a big issue with the, with the wrestling business in general for the last few years is that uh, a, a lot of them don't take themselves seriously. A lot of the promotions don't take themselves seriously. They kind of wink at the audience. But, you know, so I don't, I don't, really, I don't really buy into the fact that, that all of a sudden the, the, there's a bunch of smart people out there. You know, I, I think that's always been the case. It's just, it's just a matter of how you present yourself to them. And uh, and yeah, the referee the referee's job part of that is controlling things and lack like of time and, and things in the ring. But you know, it goes beyond that if you're really doing the you're it's really doing all all the things you should be doing. Now, when you're when you're out there in the ring and uh, you're you know you're doing the you're doing the pin the one two three or the one two almost and you know throwing your hands up and whatnot. There, there, there has to be some kind of adrenaline rush in there when you're in the ring, even though that you're just the official. There's still got to be some kind of adrenaline. Uh, 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 the, geez, I cannot talk tonight. Adrenaline rush out there. <laughs> well, the, 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 you know, it's, it's, the biggest thing in wrestling is timing and pacing, and, uh, and you know, even as a referee. And, and here, here's the thing I tell people when I do clinics and things, and I, I do clinics not just for referees. I do them for wrestlers and referees. In fact, I've probably trained more wrestlers than I have referees. But here's what I tell them. The, 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 the business is about pacing and timing. That's the, that's the most important things you can learn, and you have to be relaxed in order to do that. And, uh, you know, and, and, and when you're in the ring, there, if, you're, if it's a singles match, there's three workers in the ring, not two. And you have to understand that. that the, the, a referee has to understand he's one of those guys. And, and you have a you have a job to do. You have a a, a a part in telling that story, and and if you don't do it the right way, then then 
you're missing a part of that that, that could make that match a lot better. And that's, that's always been my goal is to make every match I'm in a little bit better than it might have been otherwise. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, you have to, you have to, uh, excitement as a referee and in some cases, if it's the right, right time and the right situation, then, then you do things in a way that, that, uh, is a little more, uh, I guess, uh, upbeat, but, uh, I never change anything. I never, I, I always make my counts the same way. I always, uh, uh, they're on the same time. It doesn't matter matter whether it's a two count or a one count or a three count. It's all going to be the same. And um, you know, I, I I think that uh, yeah, you get you get you get pumped up in the ring sometimes if if the match is really good and and things are going the way it should go. Yeah, yeah, everybody gets pumped up, but not to the point that it over overcomes what you're what you're trying to do. No, when you uh, when you're watching, I, I don't know how often you watch, you know, wrestling on TV or whatever. But do you ever like as you're watching like a wrestling match, like critique the referee in the ring, saying, "Oh, he missed a spot or this or that," because you know you're you're in it yourself. Do you do you ever find yourself doing that, or is it just like, "Oh, well, maybe he that's just his style." Is do you ever find yourself yeah. doing that? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't honestly. I don't watch a lot of TV wrestling anymore, uh, and 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 uh, I, I get really frustrated when I do for the most part because, for the one thing, that the, the the whole point is is changed so much. It's it's a wrestling, in in my in my opinion, the the, the purest form, the way it should be done, is is wrestling should create an emotional attachment with fans. It should be. Uh, it should be something where you're you're making making fans feel something, and basically now in in most cases the the whole goal is just to create a reaction, and when that's the case, then the referee really didn't have the kind of job I had when I was doing it. Uh, the the referee is, is is part of telling that story, and if he's just part of a uh, a reactive type thing, then he's not really he's not really doing all that work that 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 I think is important in the ring. So I hope that makes sense. But uh, but yeah, I mean when I do watch, you know, if I see something that that's obvious, you know, yeah, I mean I I can I'll, I'll make a note of it or critique it or you know I'll learn by watching other people too. You know, I, I'm like I said I've been doing this thirty five years and I still learn things. Well, one of my favorite time periods, um, and we talked about it a lot on the show, uh, obviously was the Attitude Era. Maybe that's because of, you know, when I grew up, I mean, only being 30 years old and, you know, and whatnot. But there was a time period just shortly after the Attitude Era when, uh, you know, um, I don't know if you were watching WWE at that point, but called the McMahon-Helmsley regime where Triple H used to beat on uh, referees all the time. And they, they put referees into Earl Hebner being the, uh, the, the prime example here, um, mm-hmm. being, being one of the, you know, the main focal points behind, you know, uh, some of the violence, like, like intentional against the refs. Um, do, I mean, do you think that, you know, in a way, if, if, if a, like, let's say a, a ref gets knocked down because somebody's spinning a guy around and it gets kicked in the face or something, the ref is down and all this, I mean, don't you think, that makes a match more exciting or do you think you can have an exciting match without the ref having to take either an intentional or a non-intentional bump? I, I think, I think bumps are overdone. Uh, and, 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 
there's way if you if, if you get to a point to where you're having to use that to get to where you want to go in a match, then then you probably lost a lot of the creative uh, focus that you should have. And, okay. that, and that's that's something. If it, if it happens all the time, then then you know people just it's almost like they expect it. It's like there was a time I remember in in Dallas when the, there was a certain uh, booking style going on when it, it was like a run in on every match, and and I've seen that in other places too. You know, yeah, it, it seemed like it during that time period where there'd be a, there'd be a oh sorry. Yeah, it, it, it just it's, you know it becomes redundant after a while. So I and, and yeah, I think there's other ways. There's there's more creative mm. ways to get you want to go in a match without doing that. And you know the referee's job is he he's, the referee should be respected. It shouldn't be a, he shouldn't be a punching bag. You know he shouldn't be a guy that you you just abuse. He should be a guy that 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 uh, that represents the rules. If you don't have rules, you can't get heat. And and well, uh, well that, that's you know, true. <clears throat> Well, don't you think that that time period, like that I'm referencing, um, it seemed like every match, like every well, not every match, but every big match, it seemed to be a finish where a guy comes down, pulls the referee out of the ring, punches him, they attack them, and then, or, or maybe like a ref gets bumped and another ref has to run down and make the count or something like that. As a kid growing up, I thought that was like the coolest thing. I was like, oh my god, he just knocked the ref out. Like, what's gonna happen? But now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you probably, you know, now it's a little corny. So I just think also well, it's the audience be, watching too. And see, you make a good point there because what what happens when you when you do things like that just for a reaction? It, it, yeah, a kid's going to get excited about that, sure. But what really gets a, a fan involved in in what you're doing is making them feel something, making them creating a situation that that's suspenseful and, and that they want to see what happens next. And, and it used to be that fans were fans for a lifetime and they, they, they were that way because, because they felt something, because you made them feel, you made them care. You made them care about the guy, the, the wrestler, you care about the situations. When you just create situations where you're just getting an, a, a reaction, then after a while they get tired of it and they'll grow up and they leave you. And and uh, mm. and and you want you want those fans to stay with you for a lifetime. You you gotta have you gotta have a different kind of philosophy, and that and that's really the that's really a big problem with the business today. I think. Uh, James Beard is our guest here. Uh, we got about uh, five minutes here to wrap this up, but you know my favorite referee of all, uh, you know, is. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you you met him and had a chance to or not, but Char, uh, Charles Robinson, Little Nate, uh, will always be yeah, my yeah. favorite. Uh, will always yeah. be my favorite, um, you know, official. And uh, of course, you know, you're like, you know, you're like number one as well. So it's kind of like a tie between you guys. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, but well, when, thank you. You know, you know, you mentioned that uh, you know you uh, want to start training. Uh, what what kind of training would go into training to be an official? Well, I, I think it's a it has to be a, a cooperative thing between officials and wrestlers. If wrestlers don't understand how to work with an official, an official's not going to be able to do his job the way he needs to, and he's not going to be able to come up, come across the way he needs to come across. I, I think that, I think a lot of wrestlers need to understand how you work with an official also, 
and and so uh, you know that that needs to be part of the training as much so as is the technical aspects of what an official does. I I can teach those all day long, but if you don't have the cooperation from the wrestlers, then it doesn't really mean much. And I guess one thing, Icon, that I've always wondered. I know we we got to uh, let them go relatively soon here, but one thing I've always wondered is, um, you know, sometimes in in matches, uh, you'll have Granny's favorite, the heels, you know, coming out, and um, yeah, <laughs> well, not, not not really Granny. I know I know that, but um, I know I know. Have, you'll have the heels coming out or whatever, and and they'll chatter back and forth with the refs, or they'll say something to the refs, or they'll you can just tell that there's tension. Now a lot of it, obviously, especially on the WWE side, uh, the big production aspect of it is scripted, but. Are there matches where you generally, where you go into the match and it makes it difficult for you to work because you just generally don't like the dude? You know, like, like there are guys where you're just like, wow, this guy's an asshole. I really don't like him, but I got a job to do. And do you think that that affects, you know, the match at all? I mean, you know, I don't really, I've, I've honestly never had any real serious problems with any individual in, in, in wrestling, especially in the ring. Uh, mm. And I don't have a problem working with anybody. Uh, there are some guys that are harder to work with because of the, the style, but not so much yep. because I don't like them or not. Uh, so you know, I, I don't, I don't really care whether I whether I get along with a guy personally or not. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm going to get in. Job. I, I just, you know, the, there are certain styles that are hard to work with because they just, they just don't, uh, they don't understand how the referee's job works and how they they can make it better for everybody. Uh, and and uh, you know when they don't understand that, then then it, it you know it's like pulling teeth. Oh yeah, so with I that can imagine. Being said, so with that being said, it's it, it's probably easier to work with a veteran than it is a rookie, right? Most of the time, yeah. Uh, now you, you know when I was working, especially in, when I was working in Dallas at Sportatorium, I worked with a lot of green guys there, but and I called a lot of matches all the way through. And they and the, and the green guys would listen to me. They understood that I was trying to get them through the match and do the best thing for them. And if they understand that, then I don't mind working with young guys. You know, but if they don't listen to you, then then you got a problem. Uh, so, in that respect, yeah, I mean, working with, with veterans is always easier because they understand that. But uh, if if you're with a if you're with a green guy and and he's you know he's out there with deer deer in the headlight looks and he doesn't. You know, he, he doesn't know when to slow down and listen to you and 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 take direction. Then, then it can be tough. And also, we have James Beard as our guest, probably the coolest referee that we've ever had on the show. Uh, when you when you're uh, refereeing and you you're out there and you know the the crowd is pumping, the match is going. Do you ever have one of those situations where, well, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to happen. Something went wrong here. It, have you ever had a situation like that? Oh, lots of them. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots of times when <laughs> things things don't go the way you think they're going to go in the ring, and you have to have to think on the fly. And that's part of being a pro. You know, you have to you have to understand that 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 everything doesn't always just go down the down the list the way you, you, you think you're gonna go and, and you have to understand what to do when those situations come up and and and, and know I, I think a referee has to know everything a wrestler knows. He may not be able to do those things but he needs to know everything they know. And if you do that you know the psychology and you understand and you feel those things and when the when the situations change like that 
you have to be able to understand how to get that message across to the wrestlers and and hopefully help them get to that point that that you want to get to by by making that change in midstream sometimes you know there there's times you know I, there was a match not long ago that that uh, in fact Kim Strong was a part of it with a, a kid from from uh, Texas that uh, I'd never worked with actually and they had everything laid out the way they wanted to do it we got in the ring and it just felt different when we got in there. I, I just had a different feeling. I started calling the match, and it went completely different from the way they had it planned. And uh, you know, the match turned out better than it, than and we got we got through. And they were they they were talking about it being the best match they'd had in a long time. And, and it was because we we felt something, and 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 it just it just felt right to do it a different way. And and you have to know those things, and have to know how to do those things, and get to those things. And one last question here, then we'll uh, then we'll let you go. Uh, now, have you ever had the situation when you you had the match, you thought everything was perfect, the match went well, and you get backstage, and then one of the wrestlers from the ring like is just like yelling at you or doing this or that, and said you messed this up or whatever. Is that does that ever happen? And then you just tell them, well, hey man, it that was you, not me. Or do you ever have situations like that? Um, honestly. Uh... You know, I, I've, I've I've seen those situations before. I've I have I've honestly never had that kind of problem with a wrestler. I, I uh, and I'm not saying I've never made a mistake. I've ever, if you've ever been in a ring, you've made a mistake. That, in fact, I, I there was one time many 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 years ago when um, uh, I was in a match and 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 I just lost concentration for some reason, and the finish went different from the way we had it planned. And when I got back, and it was my fault. They get, I mean, it, and we got through it. And nobody knew except us. But we got the back, and, and Bill Eady, who was the booker at the time, you know, he called me aside, and, and he wasn't yelling or anything. He just said, "Look, you know, you're too good a referee for that to happen." And uh, and to be honest with you, I never missed a finish after that ever again. And that was twenty years ago. And uh, you know, it just. It's just one of those things. I've just never had a problem. I've I've, I've always been able to, to, I guess, think on my feet, and 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 uh, for the most part, I, I've I've probably helped more matches than 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 I made mistakes. So I, I I would think that I just I just never had that problem with anybody. I've never had a wrestler yell at me yet that I can remember. Well, but I have seen. Well, I'll tell you I what, James. Seen, uh, I've seen. I've uh, seen. We're gonna wrap this up before, uh, before we let you go. Uh, if fans wanted to check you out and follow you and see when your next matches are, when your classes are, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a Twitter, you got a YouTube. What do you got? I just do Facebook. You know, I'm easy to find. And you know, if, if people want to catch me, then then uh, I'll respond to anybody who who, who uh, reaches out to me. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't kayfabe anybody, you know. If if uh, if you got a question or you want to talk to me, then I'll, you know, as long as it's, uh, you know, it's respectful, I'll 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 talk to you. And um, and I'm easy to catch on Facebook. I, I check, you know, check in with it pretty regularly. So um, you know, if you want to catch can me, I, that's Tom, the way to do. Can I can I say one thing really quick before we let him go? Sure, sure. Okay. You, and James, you know how much grief I gave Golden Boy at. TCW and CWA, how I always called him Golden Girl over the years, right? I mean, you you, you remember that. Well, he actually came and wrestled. He's wrestled a couple of times at Wrestling for a Cause for Tim Rockwell, and I know you know who Tim Rockwell is over in Oklahoma. 
I yeah. actually did not call him Golden Girl because he was a baby face at WFC. <laughs> we need you and Tim Storm to come to WFC sometime. We would hey, love hey, to have you. And I know Tim we, would love to have you all at WFC because Granny's really big in supporting that too. So, but but well, I, it's you know, just been a pleasure. To, it, to reach out. Yeah, it's just, it's been a pleasure to have you on our show tonight, my friend. And I mean, I I miss getting to see you. Oh, I got another really quick question. I know I I know they didn't mention anything about your book that you wrote, and I love that book. Any chances of you doing another book in the near future? Yeah, you know, I, I, in fact, I've got one. Uh, I, I've told this story too many times, probably. I've, I've got a I've got a, a book that's almost completely finished. I just kept putting it off because I wanted to have a good ending for it, and I, I'm not really sure what the ending is going to be. But, I, I, yeah, there's a good chance that I'll, I'll go ahead and finish that up and, and try to get it out there. But, the, you know, the first book is still available, too. You can get on Amazon or you can go to, to uh, uh, jamesbeardbook.com and find it there. Well, I've read that book twice, and it's an amazing book, and I can't wait for the other one to come out. So. Well, well, I'll Thank tell you, you what, James. Uh, here's my here's my question. I sent you an address. Uh, you think you might be able to send me an autographed copy for a giveaway? Uh, uh, I I, I want to. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a buddy that's a referee, and uh, I'd like to get an autographed copy of your book so I can give it to him for Christmas. I'd be more than happy to do that. In fact, there there is a chapter dedicated to referees in the book. So, and it's not it's not. It's not really so much about me. It's about you know, a lot of the guys I worked with over the years, especially in the, in the Dallas and uh, world class and global and that sort of thing. But uh, there is a, there's a chapter in the book that's just totally about my take on refereeing and what I believe it should be and how it should be done. So, yeah, I'll be more than happy to do that. You, I, I see the address here. I'll be glad to send that to you. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we sure do appreciate it, James. And, uh, when uh, you're about to put your next book out, we will have you on again because I have more questions for you after, uh, of course, I'm going to read the book before I give it away, but uh, <laughs> then we'll have, we'll have more questions for you. Would you be willing to join us again? I'd be more than happy to. You bet. And one other quick question. The icon made you a cool collector's card. What was your thought on that? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. What was that? Well, the icon made you a cool little uh, collector's card. What did you think of that? Collector's card. Yeah, yeah. A little collector's card that had your picture on on Facebook. Oh, that yes, yes, yes. I saw that. I'm sorry, I was I wasn't snapping to what you were talking about. I love that. That's great. I appreciate that. In well, fact, I'll I may what, I might use that if you don't mind. <laughs> you, you, I'll tell you what. You can use it in any capacity you want. Just as long as anybody asks where it came from, just tell them it's your big egotistical buddy icon in North Dakota. <laughs> I'll I'll do that, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank Merry you, James. Christmas, James. Merry Christmas to all you guys, and you know, any any time, uh, any time I can help you out, or or, or or you you want to ask a question, I'm around. So, thanks, James. You're awesome. We appreciate it. Thanks, James. Thank you, guys. All right. Awesome. He so, is an awesome uh, that was guy. James. He he is fantastic. Uh, well, our next guest should be calling in uh, shortly, uh, if he's not on already. 
Yes, yes, he is. All right. Well, if you want to put right, him through, I'm... I'll uh, I'll introduce him, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up the show. Then I got you. All and right. Patch through. Ladies and gentlemen, our third combatant of the night, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He is the big man on campus. He is the Oz, I like to call him, because his last name is Osborne. And he is the one. He is the only. He is going to be a legend in this business. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Eddie Osborne. How the hell are you guys doing tonight? Thank you for that intro. Was that not the best you've ever had? I mean, there's been a couple better, but I didn't pay you, so that was great. Awesome. So what we do here is after we introduce a guest, we like uh, to uh, have them give us a little background about themselves. So if you want to give us a little background, then we'll ask you the questions. Sure, man. Well, I'm uh, Eddie Osborne. I'm from Campbell River, British Columbia. That's on Vancouver Island in Canada. And uh, I've been wrestling about 17 years now. I started in 2001. I've been wrestling a lot in Canada. I've done a little bit in the States. I did South Dakota, uh, Alabama, and uh, yeah, now I run a wrestling school on the island, and I run shows in B.C. and Ontario. You mean you went to South Dakota, you didn't stop in North Dakota? Uh, We might have drove through, but I wasn't paying much attention. It was uh, many moons ago. It was when I was first breaking in. I was 18 at the time, and... uh, my trainer, Juan Ortiz, got me hooked up with a great show and went down there and had a great time at Rapid City. Oh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Okay. Well, that, that's that's cool then. You went there instead of Brookings or uh, Vermillion <laughs> where you, uh, USD and SDSU are. So uh, that's good. Uh, so we're still all right then. <laughs> yeah. So in your time in the business – uh, how many different uh, promotions have you uh, have you wrestled for? Uh, I'd say probably 60, 60 promotions around there. There's a lot of uh, promotions in Ontario, so that helped out, and then uh, just traveling a bit. So right now I probably wrestle for uh, ECCW, PWA. Uh, I was doing VIPW, Without a Cause, those kind of guys right now. And MCW, and- again, crap, I didn't mention them. And uh, in your, uh, in your, uh, you know, your, your, like your current company or in past companies, have you, uh, have you uh, won any championships? I'm the current ECCW Canadian champion and the current PWA champion. But and when did you uh, win? Uh, when did you win those belts? Uh, the PWA one was just recently in November, I believe, and the ECCW one was in March of uh, earlier this year. Well, here's here's the thing. I I can't take credit for the March one, but the one that you just recently, because I've been talking to you for a long time. See, uh, I'm going to give our fans an update, and I'll update you too, because I'm going to add you to the list. Uh, We are at, what are we now? We're at 305-0 for guests that have been on the show that have went for titles uh, either when I started talking about having them on the show or shortly after they've been on the show, they've always won a title. And you are now part of that faction. So There we go. I wish I was on the other side, so then I'd be different than all those guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, uh, 
we, we want to keep our streak. Our streak is bigger than Goldberg, you know? Yeah, but I, I would love to break it, right? I wish I was the guy who didn't. I think you just contact guys that you know are winning belts. I know how it works. <laughs> well, okay, you got me. That's why I contacted you. You got me. Uh, someone had told me that you were going for the top. Okay. The, the secret's out. There we the go. Oz there we go. See? Breaking news, people. Yeah, now you know why he's the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Anyway, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> so now, when you when you're out there wrestling, uh, would you consider yourself a babyface, a heel, an in betweeny, or do you let the crowd uh, decide what you're going to be? I wrestle with just Eddie Osborne. I'm kind of a redneck, beer drinking, hit you as hard as I can guy, but I know how to technically wrestle as well. So I'll cheat to win. And if people want to cheer me or boo me, I'm just going to be Eddie Osborne. So, well, see, that brings me to my, ne- my next question. Now, when you, uh, with your style of wrestling, would you consider yourself a high flyer, a technical wrestler, <laughs> or would you, are you that, do you have that grunty style, like Stone Cold Steve Austin type? Sure, we'll say that. Uh, it's, it's more of a, a brawler type wrestling, and then uh, I enjoy also technically wrestling, but I don't do a ton of it anymore. It's more just uh, rolling and giving it all. Uh, Dave Osborne is our guest. We got about uh, 25 minutes here left. Uh, oh, Mama, he called me Dave Osborne. I ain't super Dave. You called Eddie him Osborne, Dave, I on. It's Eddie. <laughs> oh, I'm my sorry. Goodness. What happened was I'm sorry. Granny Holster is putting in your place now. No, here's what happened. I just got a text. I just got a text from a guy that's going to be on our show next week, and it, his his name is David. And I I I messed up. I'm sorry. That won't happen. No again. problem. No problem. So now, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh no. Because you know, I always uh, I always ask uh, every wrestler this, and nobody's ever asked answered it the same way. Everybody has a different twist to it. So I'm going to ask you this. Now, as an independent wrestler, you know you basically can do what you want. You control your own destiny. But the the big dance we all know is the WWE, and every wrestler aspires to get there. But when you do get there, you you know they tell you what you can do, what you can't do, who you can talk to, this and that, where you you know basically how you live your life. Now, if the WWE were to call you and offer you the contract, is that something you'd want to do, or do you want to stay independent when you can do what you want? First, I'd ask them if they had the right number. I'm a little fat old guy right now, man. I'm 35 years old. I'm 300 pounds. I ain't looking like Buff Bagwell. But uh, no, of course you take a contract. It's uh, Getting your name out there, it's huge. Reckon that, uh, everyone's going to know about you. And then even if it's only for a year or two, you can go back to the Indies or whatever you want. But it gets your name out there, and that just helps everybody on the Indies as well. Well, you know, you just mentioned you're, you're 300 pounds. How tall are you? I'm five foot eleven. He's five foot eleven, three hundred pounds. You know what that means, guys? He could kick the holy hell out of the guy I hate the most, Kevin Owens. Oh, I know love <laughs> Kevin Owens. I hate Kevin Owens. And why? He 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 just rubs me the wrong way, and he he uh, what what when I had the short small time I had interaction with him, he said, huh, "You're an icon." Huh. That's funny. 
<laughs> well, he's a great Canadian boy doing good things up there, so nothing but love from him for me. Well, the thing is, though, you never hung up on me. He did, so anyway. <laughs> well, we got 20 minutes left according to my clock. <laughs> uh, well, we got about 20, well, about 23 minutes left. Um, all right, all right. So now, with your in-ring persona, Every wrestler uh, that we've talked to also has their own finishing maneuver. So we wanted you to tell us what is the name of your finishing maneuver and what is involved and how devastating is it. And uh, we'll see if one of us wants to volunteer that you can practice uh, practicing on us. So tell us about it. All right. Well, my finishing move is the River City Driver, which is actually just the Rikishi Driver. So I'm sure you all know what that is. Um, I love hitting on Crofton. I broke his neck. I know he's listening. And uh, Haviko's a lot of fun to hit with it, too. Ouch. Well, I don't think I'm going to volunteer to take that bump. How about you guys? I know I wouldn't. Granny's got enough uh, health problems as it is. I don't need any added well, extra problems well, added well, Granny, to my the, body. Uh, Granny, uh, uh, go ahead. What do you got for our guests? I'm sure you got a few questions. Well, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, I, you know, Granny does not like the heels, first of all, you know, and you just said, you know, earlier, you just, you're Russell is Eddie Osborne, whatever, however the crowd wants to take you. But yeah. I, I tell you, I love talking smack to the bad guys. I mean, they talk smack to me. I just give it I right can. back. So if yep. Granny ever came and watched you wrestle, you think you could talk a little talk smack talk to Granny, and I could just throw it right back at you? You know, I mean. <laughs> oh no! Uh, <laughs> you know, I just ask you to sit down because I don't want you to break your hip, and I don't want the people. Oh, you know, you know what? Trouble, that lot, that so. storyline has been thrown at I me know, so many times. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's How everywhere. I mean, no, I even right? had. I, I I have no broken hips. I even had one oh, wrestler tell me, hey, Granny, don't you have a nur- curfew back at the nursing home? I just pulled oh, my keys no. out of my purse, and I held the keys up in the air and said, baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I don't mess with them, Granny, because you guys got purses, and they're always heavy. And I ain't want to get with I don't hit, purse hey, again. You know so what? I'm out. I have never... I have never hit a wrestler with my purse or my cane. <laughs> now I cannot say, oh, you, got the cane. Very you good, know, very good. now, now, you know, Tommy Dreamer, before I had my knee replacement surgeries, Tommy Dreamer at a TCW show, he actually took my cane out of my hand and used it on Matt Riviera during the match. That's now awesome. I've never hit a wrestler with my cane. I've had a tug of war <laughs> with one of the wrestlers that I knew in Arkansas. He was picking on some little sweet lady in the crowd, and I stood up and told him, Angel, why don't you leave that little sweet lady alone and pick on somebody your own size and come over here? And we had a little tug-of-war match with my cane, but I've never used my cane or my purse on a wrestler, just saying, you know, but I can talk very a good, little very smack good. when I have to. I, I like to talk and smack better than uh, any of that interaction stuff with the, the physicality with the yeah. wrestlers and fans. No need for that. See now, yeah. Eddie, you need uh, to come. You need to come to Oklahoma for wrestling for a cause and wrestle for wrestling for a cause sometime. You need to come to Oklahoma and wrestle. That'd be awesome. I'd love to come out there. We you do. Know, I have uh, a friend Eddie, that does independent shows for kids that have got cancer. So you know. Oh, that's amazing. That's very good on him doing that. See, Eddie, I I have uh, you know Granny's uh, weapon there of choice. I call it the hurricane. 
because uh, that's what that's what she does. Uh, she'll hit you, then she'll run in a hurry. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what though. Uh, if she if she doesn't like you, she's gonna hit you with a cane. If she does like you, she'll bake you some cookies, which I am still waiting for. Anyway, oh, I know no, you no want your cookies, you, right? Icon. I know. So Greg's uh, been busy. I've things, been busy. Not weirdest things. One of the nicest things uh, I've seen some people do. All these fans, they bake goods for some of the wrestlers, and I, I try not to eat them because they never know what's in them. But there's some sweet ladies out there. There's some sweet. Sweet fans, and uh, yeah, I know Crofton loves to bake goods from all the fans, so name-dropping him again. Now, how often uh, uh, do you uh, wrestle? Do you wrestle once a week, every other week, once a month, a couple times a uh, month? For the next couple weeks, I don't have any uh, work just because it's uh, the holidays and whatnot, but this year I wrestled 97 times. Wow. And what was your record in those 99 times? I'm not going to make 100, unfortunately. I really wanted to, but uh, it's not happening. So maybe next year. And they they were all with the, the between the same two companies now? No, when, when uh, you're, just uh, for uh, about five, six companies, I think. Now, do you, uh, do you uh, plan on branching out and, and traveling and, like, wrestling like more in the states uh in the upcoming year or uh are you just gonna stay in your home base um i'd like to come out more in the states this year i went to uh uh three two one battle in seattle and then i did without a cause in everett so that was really nice to get down there but uh we'll see how it goes it's the first year in a couple years i went down the states so i'd like to expand get more matches i want to hit that 100 next year so we'll see what happens in your, uh, I don't know whether it be recently or, uh, you know, in all time, you know, you mentioned you've been doing this for 17 years. Who has been uh, your toughest opponent or who has been the guy that you've wrestled the most? Uh, the most. Um, the guy I actually wrestled my first match with, Elian Habanero. Me and him had a lot of matches when I first started. And then there's a guy named uh, Super Kamikaze, who might be my biggest rival. So maybe Super Kamikaze. And when uh, when you're uh, wrestling out there, and you're uh, you're you know you're in the match, and you're you know you're doing the thing, the the crowd's pumped up, and they're into you, and they're into your opponent. Do you ever have the the sense like? You you want to keep the match going. You don't want it to end. Has that ever been a situation like you you feel like you can give them five more minutes because they're pumped up, or do you uh, do they always tell you you have this amount of time to go out there and do your thing? Well, being a promoter as well, I always want to stick to the time I'm given. But uh, if the crowd's really going hot and uh, you bring it home, then you left them hot, so that's a good thing too, right? But if you have more and you think they're going to get Keep going up that uh, roller coaster. Give it, but it's all. Uh, it all depends on time and place. So when uh, is your is your next match booked yet? Do you know when 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 and where it's going to be? And uh, if yeah. uh, our fans want to check it out, uh, are tickets available? Can they get them online? Sure. How would they how would they come check you out? 
All right, well, my next show is January 4th and 5th. I got uh, Campbell River, British Columbia, and then Comox, BC. And then on the tw- 11th and 12th, I'm at ECCW in Vancouver. Those are going to be huge shows. And then wrapping up the year back in or January in Ontario for uh, Guelph and Kitchener. So you can check out pwacanada.com or eccw.com for those tickets. So, oh, so you got so you got a pretty big, uh, pretty busy January coming up ahead. I'm trying to keep it busy, so if I can get a couple more in there, I will. Now, is it is there ever? Do you ever have the feeling like you know you're you may overbook yourself, or you're you're going uh, you're you're doing too much in in a short amount of time, or you just uh, try and get as much as you can when you can. Well, I got a family, right? So it's hard to miss them every weekend. It is nice to have weekends off, but this is something I really love, right? So I have a pro wrestling academy. So if I'm not wrestling on the weekends, I'm going to be at the pro wrestling academy on the weekend. So I'm going to be gone regardless. So I'm trying to get out there as much as possible and just have fun. I love this stuff. Now you, uh, you know, you mentioned you have a family. Uh, do you have a son, a daughter, one of? Uh, you have two sons. You have uh, how many kids you got? Well, let's hope we just have one because that's all I know about. I got a son named Michael. Now, do you want do you want him to get involved in the business? It's all up to him. If he'd like to, that'd be great. If he doesn't want to, that's awesome. But it's all up to him. I feel uh, you make your own choices. I don't need to push anyone into anything. I'll uh, show him the ropes if he wants to learn, and if he doesn't, well, we'll take up whatever he likes. Uh, is uh. Now, I'm sure that if he's there, I'm sure that Big Swing has got a couple questions for you. Big Swing, are you there? Are you, uh, he's probably still doing Monday Night Football. Oh, See, there Big, you go. Big, Big Swing, you know, he, he does double duty. You know, he's a, he, you know, he's a guru. He doesn't have as big an ego as I do, but he should. But that's just the way. <laughs> well, I know you guys have been doing this for how long now? You guys are busy well, people. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time see, to have me on the show. Uh uh, on March 5th would be our four-year anniversary. That's amazing. That's good stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. We started out, uh, we started out uh, as off the ropes, and then uh, we realized that someone had stole that name, so I changed it to Attitude Air Live. And uh, Granny Hulkster uh, called in one time. We had a friend of hers on, and uh, uh, we begged her to stay because uh, we needed some fresh perspective and. Uh, you know, we needed someone to keep us in check, and Granny takes care of that. And uh, ah, you know, she's awesome. in Arkansas, and I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, and Big Swing is out there in uh, New York, and uh, we just kind of like do this triangle thing, and uh, we get cool guests on such as show. Speaking of that, speaking of that, uh, I had made you a cool collector's card. What was your thought on this? Oh, it's fantastic! And I heard you tell the other guy before me. Who wrote a book? Come on, he got me after a guy who wrote a book. That's crazy. But I heard you tell him you can use it in any way as long as he gives you some credit. So on the merch table, that thing goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can you can use it for anything you want as long as you tell people that uh, your but your buddy. You have to tell you have to say I'm your buddy because there you, you know go. there's the catch right there, right? Right. right. <laughs> then, there's always a right. catch, Eddie. <laughs> and then the other thing is Eddie. Yeah, we're also helping each other do it. Uh, but uh, do you think you could uh, send us some autographs for giveaways? For sure, I could do that. If you guys have an address, I can, uh, I can definitely send some out. 
All right. Well, yeah, if you could, uh, you know, sign one to the icon and then, uh, you know, four others for giveaways, you know, because the icon's kind of got a, an ego. So uh, what I do is, oh, cool. uh, what? yeah, uh, I mean, if anybody can see my wall, it's like I call it, I have two walls in my apartment, the wall of North Dakota State and the wall of wrestling. So, I mean, Very my good. apartment is like, there's like one big living room wall full of wrestling pictures. And then I got... Another wall full of North Dakota State Bison stuff, so I'm I'm like all over the map, you know. That's awesome. Is there much uh, wrestling happening in North Dakota right now? What's that? Is there a lot of wrestling happening in North Dakota right now? Uh, well, really, the only wrestling that we have, we have a full, uh, uh, fully loaded wrestling uh, that comes here every once in a while. But uh, you know, I do a lot of college wrestling too, so North Dakota State is in full swing. Very nice. Very nice. So, fun fact, I love the Vancouver Canucks, and Brock Besser and Thatcher Demko are both from, uh, are both played for North Dakota. Oh, really? That's hockey, though. It's not, it's not your football, so it might be a different thing. Well, Canadian, I got to love hockey. The, the, I know the hockey, uh, the hockey here uh, is, uh, is UND, uh, the University of North Dakota. They have hockey. North Dakota yeah. State has uh, the winning football team, and I'll, I'll uh, I don't know if, you, I'm sure you get ESPN up there, and, uh, in your in Canada there. Yeah, we get TSN, uh, the same thing. Yeah, you you turn on your TV 11 a.m. on uh, uh, January 5th, <clears throat> and you will see the NDSU Bison against Eastern Washington. And I'll be wearing my Icon shirt in the thing. They'll probably put me on camera because they always do. Uh, there you go. That way you can say, hey, that's cool. Awesome, man. So we got about uh, eight minutes here left uh, before we get the. Uh, you guys got to go because we got to put ESPN back on the air. But if our fans wanted to uh, check you out, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, a YouTube. Uh, what do you got out there? I got all four of them. What you just mentioned, you can check out Eddie Osborne. Uh, you can Google PWA Canada, and I'm on all that. And uh, have you ever uh, have you ever thought a tag team? I've been in a couple tag teams. So the reason why I ask is because you know I got a mask, you know, but oh I usually just break it there out. I usually just break it out on the weekends. But uh, you know, if you ever, <laughs> you, uh, you might have to come down to the Pro Wrestling Academy first, and we'll get you up to speed, and then we can. Uh, right. I mean, I I have a great I have a great finishing maneuver. It's called the Junk Punch Him in the Man Business. Ooh, I think that's a DQ. Well, that one referee's back is hurt. <laughs> See, now I know why Granny Holster's got to keep you in line. You're 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 a bad man. Something bad oh, there is very fun. I mean, I, I so, I'll, hey, uh, I'll resort to it if I have to, but I'm not about that. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, you might know Warhead. Deal. Warhead in Ontario, he likes to kick them and uh, punch them, and uh, but I, I try and stay away from that stuff a little bit. Well, you know, the, the thing about the icon, though, is the icon is a baby face, you know, but there's also a heel side to him as well. I mean, there you go. if, uh, you know, you lo- you love if Stone you're Cold, on the icon's you? good side, you don't have anything to worry about. But if you get on the icon's bad side, it, it's it's bad news for you. 
Well, Icon, I got to share. I got to share a funny story with you guys. You know, you know, at Wrestling for a Cause, you know, we have this group of guys that they call the villains, and you know, they're the bad guys. And you know, of course, my son, you know, he for some reason he likes the villains, and so he's been calling me names like Granny Villain, Mama Villain, and I said, Well, I'm not their mama and he says well you're old enough you could be you know and now he's on this kick that he thinks that granny needs a new gimmick and I said there's nothing wrong with the gimmick that I have and he says but it's getting old and stale and crusty you need to be mama villain or granny villain and I'm like no I'm not changing you just gotta be Hollywood granny he, he well, they've been calling me Hollywood Granny, too. I kid you not. They've been calling me that, too. So, you know, I mean, it's like, they said, he says, but mother, he says, he says, fans would, he says, just think how much money you would bring in for the kids if you did a heel turn. Nobody would expect it. Oh, my. <laughs> like, no, that's just not my, not my thing here, you know, but I mean. I mean, I, I've been handcuffed to a manager at WFC one time back in January because he kept interfering in the match. And they told me before the show, they said, Randy, we're going to handcuff you to Pierce. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I just blew it off. And they actually literally handcuffed me to this manager during the match. That's so, amazing. You know, no, yeah, I, I mean, we have a lot of fun. We, no, he was not because after he got after he got the handcuff off of his wrist, he says, okay, you old bat, you're on your own. I'm leaving, and I'm taking the key. So here I'm standing here with the handcuffs to lock up oh, my man. wrist, you know, after he got no, away. But, like you know, hey, that's okay. I, oh, yeah, we do. We we do. And if, if you want to check out Wrestling for a Cause, they have a Facebook page, and the okay. founder and promoter is Tim Rockwell, and his contact information is his email and his phone number is on the Wrestling for a Cause Facebook page. And if you have any questions, I'm on Facebook. And my real name is Lori Burt. You can message me, send me a friend request, and I can answer any questions, you know, get you in contact with the right people if you ever thought you might want to come to Oklahoma and wrestle, you know, so. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Eddie, we've uh, just about uh, reached our uh, time here, and uh, we do appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us. And uh, <coughs> uh, we, haven't, uh, we haven't scared you away too much. We would definitely love to have you on with us again. Awesome. Well, I'd love to come back again. Thank you guys so much for your time, and I uh, hope you guys have a great night. Thanks, Take Eddie. care, Eddie. You were awesome. Thanks, bud. All right, guys. Peace. All right. That was... Uh, Eddie Osborne, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, real quick here, uh, I just want to give everybody a quick update on uh, some of the guests that we got coming up here. Uh, we are going to have um, Byron Cherry uh, on with us in the next couple months. Of course, he was uh, uh, Coy Duke on the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, he took over for both. I remember him. Left. I and remember uh, him. we're also going to have um, probably one of the coolest. <laughs> Uh, guests that we've ever had on, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's David Benoit. Of course, his father was Chris Benoit. And, uh, we're going to have him on with us. And uh, that's going to be really awesome. And uh, something else that uh, might uh, really be cool that uh, B- 
big swing might be interested in. Uh, I'm still working on Edge, but uh, the uh, the guest that we're going to have on is going to be Dick Vitell. Really? Yep. Ah, when's that? Uh, well, since he's uh, into basketball, it'll be right shortly after March Madness. He'll join us. Nice. All right. And then I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever heard of a, a, a basketball star named uh, Tanya Crivier, uh, the world's uh, uh, greatest female uh, basketball handler. Uh, she can spin uh, what is it, uh, sixteen basketballs at one time, uh, uh, and uh, she's going to be on with us as well. Nice. Yeah, and we got uh, you know we got more actors coming on. We got actresses coming on. We got uh, it's just it's just a whole lot of people, uh, and uh, uh, we're even going to have another boxer on with us. Nate Pangway is going to be on with us. Yeah. When and, and when is all when is all this going down? Uh well, uh, 2018 has been big, but 2019 is going to be even bigger. Uh, I now have guests booked from now until September. Wow. So they're going to be busy people. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, if uh, people think that the uh, Attitude Air Live podcast is going away or is dying. Nah, you guess again, uh, because we're. Well, I, don't, I don't know why anybody would think that. Well, I had uh, I had one jerk, uh, and uh, we got a few minutes, I know, but uh, I had one jerk. He calls himself the icon too, so I put it to a vote on who the real icon in Fargo, North Dakota, is. And the last I looked, I think I was up 120 votes to 43 or something like that. So that's basically what we got going on. And remember, Wait, so he's in Fargo also. What's that? He, yeah, he he's is. in Fargo also. He is. Yep. And so, so there's more than one uh, icon in Fargo, huh? No, I'm the real icon. He's a pretender. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, hopefully he. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we came to find out that the uh, fa- that the fake icon in Fogo is actually the toilet flush guy? Yeah, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> That'd be something, wouldn't oh it? Oh my. <clears throat> oh my. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be really something? That'd be something. But anyway, all right. Well, we're gonna sign off. We're gonna give you coverage of Monday Night Football here and uh, the lovely field goal game that we had 12 to nine and uh we will see you next week and at like like icon said and, and you know he's he's dead serious when he says it but he's also very very true when he says it the attitude era live isn't going anywhere we'll be right back here next week for those of you who are just remember we are on wednesday next week not monday so if you're listening for us looking for us on monday we will be here Wednesday. Hope everybody has a great holiday. Get everything that they want, and they all behave. And Santa doesn't have to give them coal. And uh, we'll see you then. 
Merry Christmas, everyone. Dead man walking. You've done it now.